while we wait for Silver X to make his way out of the ring after losing that disgusting hot dog match, we take you now to a man who needs no introduction. You watch this man appear out of nowhere and confront Bologna hard times. And now, ahead of Sunday Night Sensuality, where Bologna will meet the champion, Weeaboo Maldino, and this man, who will decide the match stipulation right now, folks. This is Karate Stinger! one question to ask the people of the King of the Shield podcast arena tonight. The Ultimate Warrior, Macho Man Randy Savage, Rowdy Roddy Piper, the Legion of Doom, Cunt of the Year award winner Hulk Hogan. What do they all have in common? I think that would be a championship, Stinger. Raw, the answer is mountains and mountains of cocaine. Though I like your answer a lot better. Actually, can we take that over again? I'm going to use that. How? We're live, buddy. You got to go, Stinger. Weeaboo Maldino. I've been watching your matches at home while I'm as high as a giraffe's asshole. And I got to say, kid, you're pretty good. But you're never going to be as good as the Karate Stinger. There's the reason I've got three, count them, three Japanese kanji tattooed on my chest. Let me tell you what I'm all about. Maldino. The first is pain. That's what I'm going to be inflicting on you in this three-way dance at Sunday Night Sensuality. Two, respect. That's what I'm going to make you give me during this match. And finally, pleasure. What I'm going to get after I win this three-way dance between you and Bologna Hard Times. Actually, the, the tattoo guy told me it meant pleasure, but it's it's really just hot dog water. And speaking of hot dog water, Bologna Hard Times, we've known each other for decades. You're nothing but a jobber, known by a different name, taking bumps on mattresses. I've seen episodes of Mr. Bean that had more realistic impacts than your kicks. But everybody wants to know, brother, what is the stip? for the three-way dance at Sunday Night Sensuality. Well, here it is, boys. Maldino, this one's for you. A waifu pillow on a pole match. The first person to bring down and give Miku-chan that sweet, sweet hug is the winner. I've got a stinger kick lined up for you, Maldino. And hard times. I've got one of those poison Frankensteiners coming your way. And remember, boys, to quote the great Magnum TA, at Sunday Night Sensuality, I'm going to come on you like no one's ever come on you before. Ugh. Just take it away, Bobby. I can't stand this guy.
Scott, do I have your attention now? I think. At least for right I now. Hope I do. Uh, my phone is out of reach, but I can't promise I won't pick it up if this doesn't hold my attention. Well, I think that you will be a card-carrying member to the cult of my personality by the end of tonight's episode. Okay. Cult of personality. We, I like that song. Yeah. And you know who else likes that who? song? CM Punk. Is that his entrance theme? It's his entrance okay. music. Yeah. All right. Well, that's <laughs> at apropos. least it, it is now, and it has been for the last, uh, like, 10 years at this point. Um, and he used it on the indies a little bit before that. Okay. But... Welcome back to King of the Shill. If you haven't figured it out, today we are continuing the wrestling arc by talking about one CM Punk. Yeah, see, that's right. CM Punk. I know nothing about this man, but I'm excited. Yeah, um, I, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a, an interesting uh, installment into the wrestling arc because uh, I said this to you earlier. And this is really where it like things start to culminate, right? We've gone back and we've looked at some like real old shit. We've kind of seen like the basis of uh, the uh, in-ring performances and how those relate to telling a story. And then also on the flip side, specifically looking at how exactly a story can come to fruition through all of the storytelling elements that wrestling has going for it. And now we're moving into more of the modern era where you're kind of seeing what the modern product is with all of those pillars underneath of it. Right. And there's really no better way than to start with yawn Philip Brooks, otherwise known as CM Punk. What does CM Punk stand for? We will get to okay. that. But before we do, if this is your first time joining us, this is a conversational podcast where Scott and I try to shill each other on things that maybe the other person isn't into or hasn't really been exposed to all that much. And I am in the middle of trying to convince Scott to just watch some fucking AEW pay-per-views with me eventually. And we are on uh, the, uh, I want to say penultimate. I'll say the it's the penultimate chapter of the wrestling arc shill. Okay. And we're going to kick it off today with CM Punk and discovering alternatives okay so if you have forgotten scott or if our listeners have forgotten let me remind you and them that we have been going through this show as though we are retracing the steps on how i discovered and fell in love with pro wrestling and in part one the first two chapters we uh we kind of covered what I like to refer to as the moment and building up a story to a conclusion and a climax. And the second part, we talked about the in-ring performances and looked at some really famous uh, wrestling matches like Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12 um, and Macho Man versus Randy Savage at WrestleMania 3. Not Macho Man versus yeah, Randy I know. Savage. I Macho Man Randy Savage versus Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Steamboat yep. at WrestleMania 3. And we also saw some cruiserweight stuff, um, which will relate a lot more to what we're going to talk about with CM Punk here today. Um, so to answer your question and to get started here, CM Punk stands for a lot of things. He's never confirmed exactly what it is, um, in, at least in this current iteration, but its original meaning 
was Chick Magnet because he was in a tag team way back in the beginning of his career where there was his tag team partner was Chick Magnet Venom and he was Chick Magnet Punk. Okay. So that's where CM Punk kind of comes from the CM. I there. can respect that kind of mystique, though. It's like MF Doom. It, it means many things. Hey, yeah. Metal fingers. Exactly. Metal face. Yeah. yeah. Metal face. Yep. Right, right. So. And he said a lot of different things about it, like he said, and uh, we're going to remind me to come back to this yeah. whenever we get to where is CM Punk today? Okay. But uh, they, one of the other things that it mean that he says is cookie monster, he has oh, said. Okay. And a lot of people have speculated that it uh, kind of has a Chicago made sort of kind of uh, thing okay. because he is from very loudly and proudly from Chicago in the best way possible. Okay. So, so let me start there. What do you, what do you know about CM Punk? I know three things. I know what his face looks like. I now know what his name stands for. And I know that he, he once was sick on tour and the WWE pumped him so full of drugs that he pooped himself which is like <laughs> yes. it's comical but it's like a sad reflection on the state of like how talent is treated in that company yes right? yes yes absolutely um he did in fact shit himself <laughs> very famously shit himself on smackdown um very famously told the story on the uh episode of colt cabana's podcast the art of wrestling which is the same episode that landed both him and colt cabana in a defamation suit with the WWE. Oh, okay. Back in 2014. Yeah. But I digress. Uh, so that's all you know about CM Punk. Yes, that's that it. is all. <clears throat> okay. Well, I've got my work cut out for yes, me. Yes, you do. Um, so why don't I get started with how I discovered CM Punk? Okay. Because the way that I discovered CM Punk is the same way that a lot of people discovered CM Punk. But with the way that I talk about wrestling... And as much as I sort of pull from the database of wrestling and as much wrestling as I've seen, I've learned a lot about CM Punk lately that I feel like I've been watching his career for a lot longer than I actually have. But I actually didn't really discover CM Punk, the wrestler or the character until 2011, which is exactly where we're going to start our show here. Tonight. Okay. So first things first, and I just want to establish some things about CM Punk, some expectations for you and for our listeners if they don't really know anything about this man. CM Punk is the best promo in the history of the business, in my opinion, and he's a damn fucking good professional wrestler. This guy is definitely in my top three of all time. He's a person and uh, a performer in the industry that brought me back to professional wrestling after several years away from it. Uh, entirely not watching it not consuming it not experiencing it not going to shows nothing mm -hmm. um cm punk cut a single promo on monday night raw one night in 2011 and brought me hook line and sicker back into professional wrestling and i haven't looked back since that's how fucking good cm punk is on the stick okay this is a big game we're talking they refer to that promo as the pipe bomb okay and we will get to why that is uh, in a little bit here. But first, I want to kind of start with where we were when I left wrestling and why CM Punk brought me back. 
So I mentioned this on one of our shows before, and I can't remember if um, if you recall any of the short details that I gave. But does the the terminology ruthless aggression mean anything to you? Uh, I feel like we talked about that with Steve Austin, but I can't remember now. We did. Um, I mentioned that uh, he was sort of kind of part of that era, but the ruthless aggression era, as it's known, is the era that came after the attitude era. So when they kind of got out of the mode of we have to do all of this fucking adult stuff, like yeah. show titties on, yeah. on on national television and have angles where we have an entire Yakuza family cutting off porn stars dicks on monday night raw we're getting out of that okay we're getting yeah. out of that yes someday i will show you i choppy choppy your pee-pee yeah that, and we will you immediately hooked me there that's a, <laughs> that's a hell of an angle so i have sort of an epilogue plan for the wrestling arc and maybe we'll get okay. to it at that point right. but i digress we leave the the attitude era and we enter the ruthless aggression era. And why is this called the ruthless aggression era, Scott? WCW was done at this point. Mm-hmm. WWFE had no competition. Um, there was a very famous, and in fact, I consider the night the Attitude Era really ended to be the night that WCW was announced to have being like bought by WWE and Vince McMahon and so on and so forth, right? Yeah. So we are into that era of wwe after wcw was done um they had signed all of their best talent they had brought in new guys like kurt angle right who came in at the tail end of the attitude era but would soon find uh his place in the ruthless aggression era and this is really where triple h became the main eventer that you know him as today this was his era Mm -hmm. right the main players in this era were really john cena Triple H, Kurt Angle, Edge, guys like that, right? Um, Eddie Guerrero, Brock Lesnar, JBL, right? So there was a lot of really good talent in WWE still at this point. Rey Mysterio had just come in, right? Lots of good stuff was happening around the year, uh, like 2002, 2003, right? Mm -hmm. And I was kind of hanging on by a thread as a fan. Um, things were getting to the point where they were introducing new talent that I just was not a fan of. They were doing things with their storylines that I didn't like. Right. And that I just, it, 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 other things were distracting me. This was the time in my life where I got mega into fighting games. Yeah. So I was, I was getting a lot of what I was getting out of professional wrestling from other mediums. And then the WWE was not putting out a product that was good enough for me to consume on top of that i really think that you can't discount the lack of competition right because even though even though wwe was not putting out utter garbage at this point right the lack of competition allowed them to take a lot of liberties that would eventually become the entire premise of the show right So some things that I'm talking about, right? Like we always had stuff like, you know, bra and panties matches in the Attitude Era and stuff that would be considered uncouth today. You know what I mean? But a lot of the stuff that that was happening in the Ruthless Aggression Era was either funny or entertaining because it was so ridiculous that it was almost like a meme 
or it was so fucking cringy that I just could not handle mm -hmm. it. Right. And that was really with the introduction of John Cena as their main guy. And I don't want to be that guy and say that, well, oh, Cena sucks, right? I've, I've said this several times on the show already. I like John Cena, okay? He's a good wrestler, all right? He's got a fine gimmick, and he's obviously the guy that you want carrying the company. He's mega fucking over with kids and parents as a result. And the guy's granted like 600 Make-A-Wish wishes. I mean, an absolutely staggeringly absurd amount of Make-A-Wish wishes. It's hard to hate this guy. I fucking hate John yeah. Cena. <laughs> so tell me what you know about John Cena as somebody that's on the fringes of the industry and the and the the media. Well, so I primarily know him for his acting credits, like I know most wrestlers. Right, my consumption of the product stopped mid mid Attitude Era. So that's all like. Beyond stuff I may have picked up from a video game I played in the like evolution era, the only things I know at all about wrestling are in that time frame, right? Which is yeah. why I recognize Hollywood Hogan, I recognize Sting and Triple H, all that kind of stuff, right? So, yeah. what I know about John Cena is that he is a goofy, decent comedy actor. Uh, he's of he seems like you said, like he seems like a very nice guy. Uh, he seems like a good brand champion, but yeah. what I know about his wrestling style is that he is worse than Superman. <laughs> he is a man that cannot fail. Just like Superman cannot fail either physically or uh, metaphorically. Right. Yeah. If Superman fails, then the concept of good has failed. If John yes. Cena fails, then the like the the brand has failed in a way. Right. Yeah. Right. So he's too big to fail. And then I also know that he wrestles a little bit like a cornball. That yeah. <laughs> I I have seen compilations <laughs> of like it, it's it's like in a video game when like when there's locked animations this is how i've mm -hmm. i've i envision these uh clips that i've seen of john cena i'm struggling to kind of explain it but this just came to me when there's locked animations and the enemy kind of teleports a little bit to make sure that your hit is as meaty as possible yes that is how john cena gets to wrestle right he t poses to assert dominance yes exactly so that's that's what i know about john cena and it's so interesting because that's absolutely his legacy, right? The guy, the brand champion, right? You fucking nailed it. You know, like there's, there's been, I mean, this might be a little sacrilege for a lot of people. In my opinion, I don't think that even Hulk Hogan can shine John Cena's shoes in terms of being a champion for a brand, maybe his own Right. Mm -hmm. But John Cena simultaneously champions his own brand as well as everybody that pays him. And he does it to an unbelievably successful degree. Right. He is the brand. He's the Mario of wrestling. He is he <laughs> he the rock and maybe Hulk Hogan are the wrestlers people know. 
Yeah, absolutely. And The Rock, mainly because he's a huge yeah, Hollywood star. Right. If The Rock just had his wrestling career, yeah. he might be, might be able to make the argument that, like, had he never pursued outside endeavors, right. he might not really be as big of a star as he like, is Like, I now. know who Steve Austin is, but, like, does my... I don't know, my grandmother, right? My grandmother, I'm yeah. pretty sure, had seen John Cena on TV or something. Well, you know what I mean? I mean, and it's like, you know, it's one of those things where if you asked my mother who Steve Austin was, she'd be like, the guy who had his middle fingers on your T-shirts when you were a kid. Yeah. You know what right. I mean? Like, that, and that's exactly how my mom sounds, you know. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is exactly right. And what's so interesting to me about that is, like, that's really not how John Cena began his career, like his, his big push in the WWE. He really first came around and started winning titles as, like, this um okay how can i explain this there used to be a really uh, there used to be a really obvious term for this that i'm not gonna say on the show you know what i mean like he was well i know he has a rap career that like never went anywhere uh yeah i mean sure and like you know he likes rapping and he used to freestyle rap in high school and stuff like that right but he is largely a white guy that acted like a black man. Yeah. Right. That was his gimmick. Right. Like he wore super baggy shorts and like chains with master locks yeah. on them, like actual chains around his neck. And he was the doctor of thugonomics. Right. This his whole thing is like his whole his music was like basic thugonomics was the word that he would say over and over right. again. And he rapped over it and everything. And then he has this big face turn where he becomes like. Oh, suburban dad, the wrestler, right? He supports the troops. He's got jorts on or camo shorts, sometimes khaki. Yeah. He wears like basketball shoes to wrestle in. He wears sweatbands and, you know, ball caps with the, the bill forward folded. I mean, suburban yeah. dad, the wrestler. And he just becomes the most over fucking person in the entire industry world fucking wide. I mean, he's got his you can't see can, me shit that he does too. Yes, that like the you can't see me. Right. Like, I mean, he cleaned up his entire act at this point. The man, right? the man is in Scooby Doo. Yeah. The, man, the exactly. man punches a boulder like Chris Redfield on Scooby Doo. Yes. Yeah. He, and he doesn't care how many men, women and children he has to kill <laughs> yes. to achieve peace. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So like he's basically turned into this meme of a wrestler or personality at least right mm -hmm. and it's so interesting because like when you think about what makes a, a wrestler over with the audience what gets them over what makes them popular right you think of guys like hogan you think of guys like warrior hbk right steve austin guys that like did things to make themselves stand out from everybody else i need to make myself look larger than fucking life yeah right mm -hmm. i need to be a literal transformer in that just dwarfs the average person because i need them to worship me and think i'm fucking awesome right right and here's this really interesting character john cena who says i'm gonna meet the audience at their level right 
I'm going to be the everyman, the guy that never gives up, the guy that never surrenders. I'm not going to talk about saying your prayers and eating your vitamins. I'm going to talk about not worrying in what everybody else thinks about you, just doing what you, what makes you happy. I'm going to wear the jorts. I don't care if they make me look stupid. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to give up. It's all about hustle, loyalty, and respect. His mottos. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. He kind of meets the audience on their level, which is why I think he got as over as he did, right? Like it's, you have decades of these guys that just feel like they need to be comic book characters. And here's John Cena, like, look, I'm just, I'm, I'm like you, I'm, I'm just a apple pie eating American dude that just, you know, I want to have a family and kids and work hard and, you know, pay my taxes and go home and, you know, drink milk in the morning, you know, right. like that's it. It's really why he got so over, right? And it tuned me the fuck out. Yeah, I can see that. As I'm sure you can, as oh, I'm sure you I'm, can empathize. Believe me, with. I would have too. Yeah. So I was away from wrestling for a really long time, and I wasn't paying attention to it honestly at all. Right? Again, I got mega into fighting games. I got super into games in general because this was around the time where like. As I said before, I didn't really grow up in a household that was friendly to this stuff. It was really when I when I would visit my dad that I was allowed to indulge these things. So like 2005, 2006, right? When I really kind of started to only pay attention to wrestling through the video games. Yeah. By the time I got to the point where I had an Xbox 360 and a PS3 and I was gaming, Games became my life. Wrestling fell out. I just had no hook to keep me in. WWE was the only skin in the game. I had been watching guys like Triple H and Edge wrestle for years. That wasn't really doing anything to keep me invested. And they just kept recycling the same guys over and over again while feeding me new talent like John Cena that I just was not interested in at fucking all. Yeah. So I was gone from about 2007 until 2011. And so it's really hard to get exposed to alternatives and things that, you know, are happening in the wrestling world without someone to guide you into discovering that these things are happening. Right. Mm -hmm. And so in 2011, you know, the internet was becoming more of what it is today. And I had just discovered Reddit while I was working um, this shitty job living in Michigan. So June of 2011, I'm working at Comcast. Yeah. Right. I'm a customer. I'm a tech service rep. I hate my fucking life. Right. I discovered Reddit very recently and suddenly out of nowhere, I'm browsing one night and I start seeing wrestling on the front page and I'm like, yeah, why are they talking about Monday Night Raw well, yeah, on Reddit? Yeah, well, especially, especially early Reddit. Like, I don't know who is listening that, like, can conceptualize that time. But, like, this is the time of, like, the early meme economy. Like, I'm not saying they invented memes. Please don't roast me. I'm, yeah. I'm like, 4chan, <laughs> something awful, all those things. I mean, like, the memes entering the public consciousness. This is yeah, mm, the bad luck, Brian. Yeah, this is, Reddit at this time was an echo chamber of the same 10 jokes over and over again with like only the most earth shattering things 
really becoming yeah. like super popular right so exactly anyway, so that, that's the magnitude of what we're talking about here. yeah exactly i mean you're exactly right i mean i i had i had been on reddit for a couple months at that point and i it was the only thing that i could survive working at comcast with was just i don't i don't and i don't know why they never blocked any websites yeah. at comcast of all fucking yeah, places right. to not do that at for your employees you pick the job that everybody in that building hates. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Anyway, I digress. So to see, see wrestling on the front page, I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I'm looking and it's like CM Punk drops up an absolute pipe bomb or something to that effect. Right. And it's got thousands of upvotes. Thousands are just coming in comments just i'm refreshing the page and i'm seeing just comp new comments hundreds every time i refresh just coming in coming in i'm like what the fuck is this so i kind of start looking into it and i i'm reading people's comments and everybody's talking about cm punk cm punk cm punk i was like cm punk and at the time the only way that I knew of him, the only exposure that I had of him was through SmackDown versus Raw 2008 that I bought for the Xbox 360 because I was like, I love wrestling games and I haven't played one in a while, yeah. so I'm going to pick this one up. Kurt Angle's on the cover. I love Kurt Angle, right? And, uh, and CM Punk was in it, and he was the ECW champion at the time, right? Because WWE, as well as buying WCW, also bought the property to ECW and destroyed it. But he was the ECW champion at the time the wwe version of it and i always used to just pick him to get his ass kicked because i was like look at this fucking guy he looks dumb yeah right i mean you're you're talking about a cast of characters that includes like kurt angle triple h hulk hogan and you see this guy that's kind of skinny not not really ripped but kind of like a just a normal dude with like long hair it, and this the, is gonna this, be like, really uh and I don't know what to say. It's going to be really mean. He looks like a meth head that never took up meth. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially in a lot of his iterations, yeah. right? And especially in this particular iteration of the video game I'm talking about. He had this long, scraggly, like, black hair yeah. and this, like, crappy, patchy beard and a lip ring and, like, these tattoos. And he was straight edge. And I was like, this guy fucking deserves to get his ass right. kicked. So I used to pick him all the time to get his ass whooped by whoever I was choosing to whoop his ass with, right? That's the only thing I knew about him at the time. The only fucking thing. And so I'm like, CM Punk? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? This this jobber, right? He, he wasn't a jobber at the time, but being out of the sphere, yeah, he looked like a jobber to me through the video game. And so I watched this promo. And, you know, I'm not understating it when I tell you that my life fucking changed. So. June 27th, 2011 in Las Vegas, not Las Vegas, Nevada is the exact date. Monday Night Raw is happening. John Cena is in the main event of Monday Night Raw against Ron Killings, R-Truth. In a tables match. Do you know what a tables match is? Uh, no. A tables match is where two guys fight, and the first person to put their opponent through a table wins the match. No pin, oh, no submission okay. necessary. You just got to put them through a table. 
Now, they were fighting in a tables match because, you see, in Las Vegas, whenever WWE was in town, they always did this thing where it was like a roulette wheel, like a like a chuckaluck wheel yeah. that they would spin for every match that was happening. It was like, oh, we're in Vegas. Wow. Gambling. Yeah. Wow. Chuckaluck right. wheel. Right. So like you spin the wheel, you get the stipulation. So it's a time. Right. Here's here's the story context of what's happening. We're on the road to money in the bank pay-per-view 2011 taking place in Chicago, Illinois. CM Punk is scheduled to fight John Cena for the WWE title. He has a title match. CM Punk's contract is up on the same day. And this is a real life storyline. So we're going to get into something that is known as a worked shoot. So can you glean anything off of that? Well, shoot means he's going off script, but worked implies that either he is angling it into something that he knows that will be workable by the other people in the room or the upper crust or someone else with him is working it. That's what I would assume. I mean, I mean, you pretty much nailed it, right? It is, it is something that includes a lot of reality that is being done on purpose. Yeah. Right. So punk punk's contract is, is legitimately about to expire, Mm -hmm. right? He is honest on, and like to go back and to listen to interviews, to watch his documentary, to listen to his podcasts, right? He, um, was actually like up, like it wasn't a complete and total fabrication. His deal was up and he did not know if he wanted to resign for a multitude of reasons that we will not get into, but his contract is about to expire, and this promo happens when he did not have a deal made up for himself. It wasn't like he signed the deal and he come out and he cut this promo. It was he was on the way to WW to to WW to uh, sorry mon- Money in the Bank to fight John Cena for the WWE title, and he did not have a contract signed. Right, so he's threatening to walk out with the title. Right, essentially at this point. So this match is happening. Our John Cena is about to win. Punk comes out and it interferes and gets John Cena put through a table when he loses. Grabs a microphone and goes up on the stage, sits down Indian style, and cuts this promo that just transcends everything you ever thought you knew about professional wrestling. This is why it was such a huge deal. We are going to start off this arc of what we're watching and what we're going to consume with watching this promo because. This will forever be etched in the halls of wrestling lore. People will talk about this forever. This kicks off what is kind of softly referred to as the reality era. Because for the really the first time since the outsiders showed up in WCW, people legitimately thought that this was a fucking shoot. That this was for real that CM Punk had just grabbed the mic and sat down and went off on Vince McMahon on his own fucking show. Okay. So he's kind of at the tail end of this storyline where he was leading a group of young stars called the new Nexus. And he, at one point like announces that like, Hey, I have this title shot at money in the bank. 
and I'm not going to resign. I'm taking the title and I'm leaving with it. And so this just sets off this storyline where we see CM Punk and John Cena go toe to toe at money in the bank. But I can't understate the importance of this promo. This promo brought me back to professional wrestling. I watched this promo 35 times that night. I went home and watched it more. I went back and watched the entire episode of Raw. And then later on in that, in that same month, I bought the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. I paid to watch it because I was like, I'm not missing this match. This is not happening. Mm-hmm. This entire thing sets the wrestling world on fire. And I have to give a, sh- a huge shout out to, to uh, R Squared Circle on Reddit, the main wrestling subreddit right now, mm-hmm. because that was the forum that was blowing up during this whole thing. And so being able to just get in there and engage with all these people that were doing the same thing that I was like, what the fuck is happening? I've been a wrestler. I was a wrestling fan growing up. I haven't been, I haven't been in it for a while. Holy fuck. I need to see more of this. I need to go back. What happened? What brought us here? Tell me things. I need to see what's happening so that I have all the context for money in the bank. It was this insane moment of just like destiny in a way. Right. Right. You know, like it's this thing of this medium, this entertainment, this content that was constantly being pulled away from me throughout my entire life that I eventually walked away from is now pulling me back with every single ounce of its strength (laughs) because this storyline is just so fucking compelling. It's so compelling. Because you've got all of the all of the markings of this powder keg just ready to blow off in this one match. You've got this anti-establishment fucking, you know, punk, for lack of a better term, yeah. going up against the guy that is the brand champion. You've got the boss, Vince McMahon, freaking out, putting huge pressure on Cena. If you don't win, you're fired, right? Mm-hmm. It's an unbelievable story arc that is easy to be consumed immediately. And it is chapter one of the modern take on the industry for me. We have AEW today. We have a lot of great indie promotions. Japanese wrestling is really hot. For me, that doesn't happen to the scale that it has without this promo and this storyline. You will find wrestling fans of all walks of life from all over the planet that cite this as the reason that they got back into it or the reason that they got into it at all. It is a real genesis point for a lot of the modern art form and a lot of the modern fan base. So we're starting with that tonight. Have you ever heard of this match nope. before? Mm-mm. You have no clue. No, I don't know what's going to happen. This match was given the highest honor that you could be given um, in terms of like the wrestling fandom sphere. Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, who has been writing about pro wrestling mainly and MMA for longer than I've been alive. Um, his like star ratings are kind of re- like highly regarded. Yeah. Imagine he's like the Siskel and Ebert of wrestling, okay. right? And five stars at the time, 
we'll get into that later. But at the time, five stars was the highest honor that you could get from Meltzer. And there were, it's a very short list of five star matches. This match got five stars. Well, now, and now I'm hyped. Yeah, this match got five stars. Okay. And this kicks off for me a, how can I say this? Feverish catch up to discover more. I need to know more about punk. I need to go back and see his indie days. I need to see more of this guy. I need to see more of the guys that he was wrestling with. It led me down this path of discovering all of these alternatives to WWE because punk told me they were there. Punk showed me that they were there. He told me that it doesn't matter that you haven't been into it this, you know, for years and years. It doesn't matter that you think that it's not for you anymore. It is for you. We can make this for you. We can, we can give you a product that you like again, and there's more to it. Simply by cutting this one promo and wrestling this match, I became an entirely new wrestling fan. I discovered things like Ring of Honor, like Chikara Pro. I discovered things like the Japanese federations and, the, and those companies like uh, Dragon Gate and most notably New Japan Pro Wrestling. And so what I want to do after we watch this match and this buildup and everything is I, I mainly want to highlight this. But I want to show you a couple other matches that happened within those couple years since then, right? Mm -hmm. And that's going to bring us a little bit further into the modern era, which is where we're going to step into for the next chapter. But CM Punk is the genesis of that. CM Punk begins that for me. And he's going to begin that for us here today. Okay. You're, so what are your thoughts? Oh, this is, I think this is the best one yet, just conceptually. Because, I mean, you know me. I am pretty anti-establishment with everything. Uh, I do not like things that are popular or bland or intended for mass consumption. So the idea of a guy sitting down and basically like punk like you said i think is apropos right the spirit of punk is with him saying well fuck all of you anyway right that speaks to me and then to say that there's a five-star wrestling match behind it which like we've watched some good wrestling matches so far but to have the emotional lead up and the big payoff this is the most excited i've been for anything we've done in the arc like I said, I think that a lot of what we're getting into with uh, these next couple parts here is a, very much a culmination. This is, you know, we've we've seen the pillars. We've gone and ins inspected the foundation. We have confirmed that it is indeed sturdy, and the house that sits on it still stands today. And the reason that that house still stands today is because of CM fucking Punk. Make no mistake. It's honestly, I don't want to set expectations too high here. It, it, earlier in one of our episodes, I said that some of my favorite wrestlers are like Rey Mysterio, uh, the nature boy himself, Ric Flair. The reason I like these guys is that they go against the grain in different ways, but they go against the grain. I like Rey Mysterio mm -hmm. because he has to fucking work, right? Yeah. To convince people that he can stand in a ring with the people that he has. Right. That that absolutely correct. Um, and CM Punk is. Yeah. Very much the same. This is queuing up. 
I say that to say that this is queuing up to be a situation where I might be finding my favorite wrestler. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's really like the best part about this is that like, it's, I, and I'm not intentionally trying to recreate this same feeling yeah. or moment for you that I had. Right. But it's so hard not to feel that way whenever you see this match and you watch how this unfolds, because it's like, you are coming into this, watching this match, knowing that I'm going to show you even more that's going to fall right in line with all of this shit, right? Because we're we're moving on. We're just going to watch, and there's not, not too much to it, but we're going to watch a match from 2014 after this between Kevin Steen and Shinsuke Nakamura yeah. from New... Uh, so it's going to be... Uh, so Steen at the time was with uh, Ring of Honor. He's now known as Kevin Owens in WWE. Mm -hmm. He's been with them for a while. But Steen was in Ring of Honor at the time. Ring of Honor was doing a joint show called War of the Worlds between Ring of Honor and New Japan. It was like, uh, you know, basically like an SNK versus Capcom yeah. where they just had their guys fight each other. And this is just a really good example of those alternatives when I found them where I was just like, holy fuck, it doesn't need to be this hour long excursion to be this unbelievably insane match with highs and lows. It can be a 14 minute indie popper, right? Between Kevin Steen and Shinsuke Nakamura and a little ballroom venue, right? right? A little 14 minute banger. We can have one of those, right? And so you, you start seeing that you start consuming more of that. That leads you down the road to new Japan where we're going to go and see the culmination of the uh, Kazuchika Okada, Kenny Omega storyline with Okada versus Omega at uh, Dominion uh, 6 9 2018. Best two out of three falls for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Mm -hmm. Because when I say that CM Punk lets me know that there is wrestling for me and that there is wrestling for you, I don't mean just the type of wrestling that CM Punk does. I mean the type of guys that have punk spirit, the people that want to go out there and they want to give 100% because they just want to fucking give 100%. They don't give a shit about the titles and the accolades, and of course they want to make a good living for themselves and increase their stock. Punk wrestles because he likes to wrestle. Mm -hmm. Kenny Omega wrestles because he likes to wrestle. Kevin Steen wrestles because he likes to wrestle. All of these guys, that's what I mean. So it's not the same type of matches where we're going to say, well, yeah, we're looking at, you know, this match with CM Punk against John Cena that's a title match and the same type of match. It's that when I discovered alternatives because of CM Punk, I found that there was more to love about wrestling than I initially or could ever think. Yeah. And those are the two supplemental matches that we're going to get to after Punk. And that's going to lead us into our next chapter, which we'll talk about after the fact. Okay. So we are going to start with CM Punk versus John Cena at Money in the Bank 2011. I am CM then, pumped. Yeah, folks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Chris just took mental damage from that one. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. I'll just, yeah, I can bleed. You that lost out. some sanity. I can, <laughs> I can, I can get that in post. Yeah. So, yeah, we're going to uh, start off with Punk, Cena, Money in the Bank for the WWE Championship, Money in the Bank 2011, Kevin Steen, Shinsuke Nakamura, Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, War of the Worlds 2014, 
And then finally, Kazuchika Okada versus Kenny Omega, best two out of three falls at Dominion 6 9, 2018 at Osaka Joe Hall from New Japan Pro Wrestling. And uh, we'll put everything in the show notes where, where you can find it because obviously one's going to be on Peacock, one's going to be on YouTube, and then the other one's going to be on New Japan World. You might have to jump through some hoops to find that one. But I think we're ready. I think that we've belabored this for 45 minutes at this point about why I love CM Punk. Now I need to show you why you're going to love CM Punk. I'm ready. Let's fucking do it. Hey, don't forget, if you want to follow along with the matches that we're watching, we've put what we're watching and where you can find it in the show notes. Follow along if you want, or don't. I'm going to chop Scott's chest either way. personal favorite wrestling that we have consumed here today and as we said before i know that most of this is going to be centered around cm punk and specifically money in the bank 2011 so let's just get right into it here tell me about cm punk versus john cena at money in the bank 2011 i don't want to undersell what you have shown me before. It was interesting in many ways. It was very visually impressive wrestling. In some cases, it was very interesting promo building, good lore. It was good. Yeah. This is the first time I've been hooked. Yeah, I said out I loud it. to you, I was on the edge of my fucking seat in the middle of this yeah. match. It, yeah, it was a combination of I can see what you mean of like this being like considered a legendary promo, right? Like this is mm-hmm. the pathos of this man, right? Yeah, yes. I'm out here working like a fucking dog. The brand is against me. John Cena. Ooh, look at you. You're against me. And you fuckers out there sit sucking down your cola out of your fucking commemorative cups. You're yes. against me. I'm out. Yeah. It was it was fucking compelling. And yeah, that match was great. Uh, I have yeah. many thoughts about the match, but that was that was the best way it could have ended. I'm so glad because like, um, you know, you have to remember that, especially for people that are witnessing this, like. There is definitely the story, right? But there's also the added element that like. It's verifiably true and being talked about on actual like reputable news sources that like CM Punk's contract is over and there's this match coming up and 
it's the WWE title match, and literally nobody knows if he's actually re- like has resigned or yeah. not. And it wasn't even public knowledge because usually the way that it'll work is like when somebody resigns, it leaks somehow, mm-hmm. right? CM Punk did not sign that contract until like hours before that match. He was honest to goodness, like unsure mm-hmm. if he was going to resign. And when he showed up to the arena that day, he said in a couple interviews, he talked to Vince and had it and he got what he wanted and signed the deal that he was going to sign in real life. And then the match happened later that night. So had he not resigned, right? Yeah. He would, he probably wouldn't have won the match. Right. Right. Cause obviously like Vince McMahon's not going to let you run out with the title. Right. Or whatever, yeah, yeah. But, but still it's one of those things where it's like, all right, a worked shoot is like the best way to describe this angle. Right. right. Because you just don't know. So tell me about some of your favorite parts about this angle and match going into it beyond the obvious throws of like, you know, well, Punk's just fun to root for because he's an anti-hero. Cause I've always looked at it as kind of fun. Cause like he, he comes out, maybe we'll start here. He comes out when he cuts the pipe bomb and he's wearing a stone cold Steve Austin shirt. Yeah. And I always looked at that as very, obviously it was very intentional, but I always looked at that as very like really cool because for me, this iteration of CM Punk is like the next step of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Like Austin's cool because he works for WWE and he's telling Vince McMahon to go fuck himself. But CM Punk's like, I don't give a shit and I'm going to take your title and I'm going to fucking leave. Yeah. Right. Right. So start with the pipe bomb. Tell me what you thought about the pipe bomb. Well, I mean, you already know I've I've said this in the wrestling arc and just in general, you know, it's about me. I am a fucking sucker for the angle of you're not the hero anymore. You are the establishment. You are the bad guy. I'm going to step over your body to get what I want. I'm a sucker for that thing. And he goes right in. John Cena, I don't dislike you. In fact, I like you a lot. This is, I think this is why the pipe bomb is probably so, I don't know if this is why it's so fondly looked on, but like it's one of its objective qualities is you can tell that whatever is being worked or whatever, like you said, a lot of people thought it was a shoot. They thought it was like real going off script. Regardless, What he's saying is based in some form of reality. John Cena, I like you more than a lot of people in the back. And I'm sure that's true. I'm sure that he hates working with some of these egos, right? But he's laying into John Cena because John Cena is a hypocrite. And there's, there's a, there's, they touch on this in the promo before money in the bank, but uh, like, yours you like to think that you're the underdog and like that you're unbeat like you can't be the underdog and the unbeatable face of the company at the same time you're a dynasty now you exist to be toppled you don't get to ride both ways right that speaks to all those people in the crowd that are so fucking tired of seeing a shit right Oh, you get to be on all the cover art. You get to get the commemorative cups. You get to be in the movies. Well, I'm fucking sick of it. And it's like, it's just this raw emotion that everybody feels. This is one of the reasons that wrestling remains popular 
whatever you want to say about Vince McMahon, he understands his audience and like what will get them riled up. Like that's the reason he comes out at the end. We'll talk in the match, but what gets them riled up is they see themselves in CM Punk, not John Cena in that moment. I'm tired of not getting what I want. Why do the people that already have all this shit, why do they get to keep having it? And why are they looking down on me? Fuck that. I deserve it. I work hard. You know what I mean? John Cena just gets everything handed to him, regardless of how hard he works for it. I'm tired of seeing that motherfucker win. And this is where we're at. It's, 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 you know, so much of what he says in the pipe bomb. And I said this before, before we uh, started watching it, but I was, you know, I described it as CM Punk speaks for me. Yeah. Because it's, he's saying these things to John Cena. Yeah. Right. Because you like, like exactly as you said, within the microcosm of the storyline, he's speaking on behalf of the people. Like I'm fucking tired of seeing you. Right. Like we said before, I think the most attractive part about John Cena's character beyond Hulk Hogan and and Ultimate Warrior and characters like that is that Cena was willing to meet these people on their level, right? right? Like he was somebody that was a champion of the people, right? But all the people aren't all the same. yeah. And there's a lot of people out there that see themselves, to put it the way that you did, in CM Punk, right? And so the way that he's talking to Cena, I'm sitting here watching this and I'm like, I'm screaming these things at the WWE. Like you said, you're a dynasty. Yeah. You're not the underdog anymore. You're not losing to WCW. You have no threat out there. So you became weak. You became stale. You became just the monolith and I'm here to knock you over. But that's why, like, the transition into attacking Vince, too, which I always find Vince McMahon is one of the most interesting parts of WWE to me because I don't I wonder how how self-aware he can really be when he allows this stuff to occur, regardless of whether or not it was scripted and allowed. Someone is saying that he's a moron and he just lets a bunch of sycophants ruin his company and then allow it to happen. Which it, it's fascinating to me. It is utterly <laughs> yeah. fascinating to me. But <laughs> yeah. that's that's what hits so hard about that part too. Is like I just don't even have faith, man. That when you kick the bucket, finally you crust the old man. That it's gonna be any better because right yeah. behind him is Hunter Hearst Helmsley and that bitch <laughs> of a daughter of yours, right? And it's yeah. like <laughs> right. you got everybody has been feeling that since the freaking 90s man yeah right right like i i am so tired of this whole ordeal i'm just gonna leave and that's like it's like you said in the speaking to you thing like the fact that he brings up ring of honor and the fact that he brings up uh did he bring up new japan he brought up something he else. did okay mm-hmm. he brought up new japan but right. like it's it's important that that happened because he is showing Exactly like you said, I'm I'm with you. It's like the value of me as a person and thus the value of all the people projecting onto me is not tied into this identity, right? Like if right. if I am the guy, like hell yeah, CM Punk, I agree. I'm I'm dealing with the same kind of shit at work, dude. I feel you, wherever they're working, right? Yeah. 
hell yeah, I am better than this brand. I don't need this job. I mean, I'm my own person. I'll go do this somewhere else. And literally, it brings attention to these other brands, but like metaphorically, emotionally, it's CM Punk is not a wrestler on the WWE roster in that moment. That's different than anybody else can say, right? He is Mm -hmm. CM Punk. It's me versus the world in a way that is, I I don't know, but at least from my experience has never been done before. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, and that's, that's exactly, you're touching on exactly why it got as hot as it did because he came out and cut this promo and they framed it like they cut his mic off at yeah, the end of right. it, right? And like it, all of the framing is just perfectly done. But like you're saying, everything in that promo is stuff that we've all been saying for years. And here is somebody on the payroll coming out here, cutting a promo on USA in the second hour of Raw at 10.30 p.m., right? Right talking about how vince mcmahon should be dead is never going to be a billionaire and his fucking daughter's uh, his son-in-law is a doofus and his daughter's an idiot yeah. and they're going to inherit the company and they're still going to keep doing it and he even goes the uh he even goes on to say that like hey look i know that even when i'm gone i'm just i'm just a spoke in the wheel this yeah. is gonna keep going but i'm not gonna go down without a fight yeah So that's, you know, that's why the pipe bomb is so legendary is because it really became this first time where it was like, like I said, I really think it's the evolution of the Steve Austin character. You have the guy that's the everyman beer guzzling, you know, hardworking blue collar dude that's coming in and just doing what he wants because he knows he's the hot commodity and he's going to tell his boss to fuck off and he's going to give him a stone cold stunner. And that's the bottom line. And then like you have punk who is really like the millennial version of yeah. Steve Austin, mm-hmm. where he's like, fuck you. I'm leaving. Yeah. And I'm taking your title with me. You dumb asshole. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's that, you know, that level of anti heroism. That's almost so filthy that it's good yeah you know Mm -hmm. well i mean like we keep saying punk in the name is so appropriate here he embodies the punk spirit it's being above that kind of like bureaucratic nonsense right yeah yeah and so the pipe bomb for me is really all you need yeah i mean we went and we watched, you know, like the the opening cinematics and the vignettes and the slides before the match start to kind of give a little bit of a highlight of some of the moments, right? But you kind of get it, right? Like obviously, you need you need to look no further than than the pipe bomb to see that Punk cuts the best promos. Yeah. I mean, right. it's just you know, we saw a lot of clips in 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 the uh the recap before the match started as well. He just cuts great promos. So you need to look no further than the pipe bomb. But coming into the match, CM Punk is the heel here, right? But we're in Chicago now. So it's a very different atmosphere. And I've long since I've long said that this is 
one of my favorite matches of all time strictly because of the atmosphere and this is like the one of the longest and most incredible pops i've ever heard i mean the crowd just does not go out like yeah like what were you thinking like watching this as he's coming out because that's like i still like really takes me back to see that arena go nuts for him when he comes out it was definitely interesting i don't think i understood why though until the match because where i was coming from was like okay he spoke truth to power he did all of that kind of typical like pop worthy stuff I was not shocked that they were excited to see him. What I was shocked was the length. And I was shocked that he sat down in the middle of the, the uh, arena and he just looked and he was like, come and get me. And people yeah. would still not shut up. I was actually yeah. more shocked, if anything, by the fact that John Cena came out with little to no fanfare. This is where I think it started to sink in is little to no fanfare. He wasn't making like a big scene. He was just kind of walking to the arena. He was f focused or whatever he was. Right. And he was getting a lot of boos. And when you put those two together, like coming from an outsider, right? Like, I don't know anything about CM Punk. I don't know if this is like, yeah. Is this an outlier? Like, is there a reason to like him beyond the fact that he's from Chicago and he just had this really cool promo? I didn't get that till the match. But then when when Cena came out, it's like, oh, OK, this uh, you described it. And I think it was even in the announcements, uh, the commentary, rather, that he's behind enemy lines. I think it was worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was in the prison camp. <laughs> John Cena. Framing that as a war is not, I think, correct because John Cena was never in the arena. That was CM Punk versus the WWE. Oh, yeah, that's a fucking great way to put it. C CM Punk was wrestling John Cena, but more than that, he was wrestling the idea that Cena never loses, that I can't take yeah. this money and run. Right. So. The fact that he was getting all those cheers, right? It didn't sink in until they actually started wrestling. But now I can look back on it and see that these this is the people letting not just CM Punk know, but letting the brand know that this is what we wanted from you all along and it serves you right. Right. Very right. It's and that's uh, so interwoven throughout this entire storyline and this match, which I think is just the best part about it for me is it is that effort of like, you might not want to suspend your disbelief, yeah. but this, this storyline, it, it makes you yeah, because they understand that in the world of professional wrestling, it would be really difficult to pull this off. And it was difficult to pull this off, even the way that they did it. Because like I was saying before, they weren't like announcing that Punk had resigned, right? Like there was no news. right? And like when there's no news, there's just flat out no news. And it's it usually means that there's no news, right? right? It's, it's rare 
that a wrestling company can pull off a true honest to goodness surprise. And when it does happen, it takes a lot of moving parts and it takes a lot of effort to keep it secretive, right? Cause everybody's got their own sources. A lot of people work for the company wrestlers that don't make anything but a hot dog and a handshake for a curtain jerking match. Right. Is are just like, they don't give a shit about burning any bridges. So if they got a scoop that they want to give their boy at the dirts, right. Yeah. They're going to call and say, Hey, yo, punk resigned. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they kept this under wraps long enough for the match to play out. And then basically you have punk and Cena in there putting on this performance that is based in that disbelief suspension. Right. right? Like they do all of the things that make you think, Oh fuck. Cena's winning here. Yeah. All of the things I spent a large portion of the beginning of the match. I'll tell you exactly when I thought that there was a chance that punk was going to win, but I spent a a very big portion of the beginning of the match thinking, okay, so breaking it down logically, they're not going to give him the title. If he's going to leave, it's John Cena and CM Punk just pissed off no matter whether it's scripted or not. He just pissed off the company and the fans. Cena is always a safe bet. Yeah. It'll piss a lot of, like grown men off but like uh, you know what i mean like lo- logistically i'm vince mcmahon i don't give a shit right so yeah right their dollar still spends yes so you spit you think about that and you're watching them wrestle and you're watching punk i honestly like i i'm speaking from a position of not watching a lot of cena but punk outworked him like twofold in my opinion <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Cena, like, I'm not calling it no sell. I don't have a good word for it, but like, he just like he when you put him up with Punk, who is writhing on the ground, he is like his face is alight with like pain, real or imaginary. He is yeah, like tearing up. Like, no, no, no. This was the shot, right? He is like. He, yeah. he is living in that moment. And you have John right. Cena just kind of like, oof, right? <laughs> <laughs> and Ow, ouch. yes. And you watch these two go at it, and there's this moment. There's this moment where CM Punk exits the arena and he. Uh, cuddles up to what's this guy's name? Cole, Cole Cabana. Cole Cabana, and he gives. Uh, is I don't. Was that his mom in the crowd or something? I don't. I don't know. Honestly, I don't want to. I don't want to yeah, say but, the wrong but thing. So he I don't gives know. someone he knows. I'm assuming it wasn't just a random yeah. person. He gives her a high five, and he cuddles yeah. up to Cole Cabana, and he just gives this slow clap to John Cena. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> "Look at you." John (laughs) Cena, the man of the hour, right? Yeah, right. That was the moment I knew that he is just taking the piss, right? Like (laughs) he is going to ride this emotion for all that it's worth. This, like, it's like why I said, like, he wasn't wrestling John Cena 
I think it's so important that in the pipe bomb, he's like, I don't, I don't dislike you. I hate this idea of you. Cause yeah, he was applauding the Like, Oh, we got to give it up for John Cena. He's back up everybody. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that moment convinced me that there was a chance. So you're saying there's a chance, right? <laughs> because it yeah. wasn't just this like, okay, you're on your way out, buddy. Uh, go get, what's it called? Attitude adjustment. Yeah, go get attitude go get adjusted attitude a couple times. Go get like whatever he's, you're going to kick him in the face a few times. Sure. Whatever. But he's ultimately, he's going to knock you out. So like, yeah, mm-hmm. dust our hands off. Okay. We're good here. See ya. Good luck wherever you're yep. going. Right. Right. When punk started attacking that idea, I knew that there was something there and then he goes on to give this, this is so this right now, I kind of want to rewatch some of the other stuff that we've watched and do like a comparison. (laughs) I was on the edge of my seat. I could not tell (laughs) where they were going with this at all. The what what is Cena's submission hold called? He calls it the STFU, but it is is classically known as an STF. Okay, so he puts him in the STF and punks like his face. He looks like he's uh, extra in a horror movie, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he's in legitimate pain, but like he's selling it to a degree I've not seen. He's doing like yep. movie star face acting, right? And he's yeah. clawing his way to get to this rope. And I'm like, oh, my God. Right. Like, is, he's going <laughs> to he's going to make it to the rope. He gets there. He gets ends up right back in that same hold. And Cena drags him off away from the ropes. I'm like. That's it, man. That's that's all she wrote. They did. <laughs> yep. They did it that quickly. Right. And he's pulling them away from the ropes this time. That's all she wrote. Cena wins. Everybody go home. Right. And then yep. he breaks the hold again. It's just this nonstop. It, it, it's great that we brought up Austin, too, because I'm sure there's many examples of this. It's just parallels it so yeah. well of mm-hmm. Austin Hart, where he just will not give up. I hate you. The sheer power of my hatred will not allow me to tap out here in Chicago. I hate you. Get yep. get your ass back up off that mat. I'm going to knee you in the face one more time. Right? Right. Yeah. It, and he, he, he needs Oh, him. yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of, I don't know if it was like botches or intentional stiff work. I don't know if I'm using the right terminology, but like yeah. Cena mm-hmm. like crushed his hand. I'm surprised he didn't yeah. break a bone. Uh, they 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 definitely worked a little stiff in this one on purpose because like i mean cena took straight up knees to the face like concussion granting knees to the face um yeah i don't know how much of the cena knee injury was real or fake but there was that botch off the top rope too where like he got cena got legit kneed in the solar plexus unintentionally Mm -hmm. which yeah. like is extremely dangerous so yeah. there it was a true test of metal and it's 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 also great because i don't know if this is match psychology i'm trying to use the terminology like you get worked up into this position of okay cena's gonna win but they're giving punk that like okay but you can go out like a man right like you can like that's exactly what ring psychology like (laughs) they make you believe that they're letting him take this beating to show that when he loses he was still like he never gave up like that type of thing right correct yep 
And then let's talk about the ending. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk about the ending. Right. Because. I love I don't. I don't got a whole lot of love for WWE commentary. Right. I think it's I think it's really bad. Yeah. Um, I think that especially going back and looking at um the Nitro broadcasts, right? Where you had fucking Shivani and Heenan and Dusty Rhodes, right? Like right. listen, I love like Gorilla and Jesse Ventura and old school Jerry Lawler, right? Like that old stuff is excellent. But like WWE, it's at a certain point, hit uh, a a spot in their commentary where it was like, we're just going to put in the lowest effort amount possible. Okay. And that's not to say that there haven't been moments, right? But they are few and far between, or at least they have been in in the commentary sphere, right? It's, It's hard to get, like JR's got, Jim Ross has a litany of like legendary lines that he said, I can maybe think of three for Michael Cole. Right. Right. But he, Michael Cole, to give him some credit, preempts what happens at the end really nicely at the beginning of the match where they're fighting. And he's like, you know, that Mr. McMahon will stop at nothing to not be embarrassed. You remember in 1997, Bret Hart wanted to, win the title and leave for WCW with it. And Mr. McMahon did everything in his power as the owner of the company to see to that not happening with the Montreal screw job. So they took this real life circumstance, put it into a work and mentioned it. And Scott, what happens at the end of the match? So Vince McMahon tries to interfere. This is also great too. Cause like, one of the most fascinating things about wrestling to me, a brief aside, I we talked about this in the first episode that I am a kayfabe man. I love yes. kayfabe. Uh, the works and the shoots. These are all the things yes. that interest me the most. Right. So they have an excellently scripted moment. Vince McMahon enters the arena. Who's this guy? Can you explain. John Laurinaitis. Who the hell is that? He is like uh, I gather, an executive. I gathered in the he's a crony, but I haven't gathered much more than that. So crony is the right word for it. He was an executive in the company, wasn't for a while. Now he is again, and is largely believed to be the reason that they suck again. But anyway, you were saying. So anyway, Vince enters with this guy, Laronitis, and it is obvious what they're there to do. Punk is currently in, I think, an STF or something to that effect, right? Mm-hmm. He's yeah. in some yep. type of hold, and Vince is coming in. He's saying, "Ring the bell." Larinitis starts walking over to the timekeeper because he's like, okay, we're going to make you call this match right now. Yeah. And in a moment of brilliance to preserve their brand, John (laughs) Cena, the untouchable hero, the paragon of truth, justice in the American way and apple pie and all that shit. He lets the hold go. He climbs out of the arena and he elbows Larinitis in the head. And he says, we're doing this my way. The bet, I think that what he was saying was the better man wins, right? Yeah. Something to that effect. Yeah. And Vince McMahon has this look on his face, right? Because he is told <laughs> in, in universe here in kayfabe, like, if you lose this title, you're out, John Cena, right? Yeah, right. So mm-hmm. uh, he has this look on his face again. Uh, I have to give Vince McMahon props for his on-screen persona, if anything, right? Yes. He knows mm-hmm. how to take a fictional punch. Absolutely. So 
he has this look of despair on his face as John Cena re-enters the arena, only for CM Punk to put him in the go to sleep, finally knock him out and pin him for the three count and take the title. Yep. John Cena paid the iron price. Yes. And I mean, that's if you're going to have a heel take it over in uh, any heel, take it over any baby face. And with what is on the line that it is here, right? That's one of the best ways you could preserve the honor. That's that's like the table stakes of a beer pong game. That's like I was drunk, right? You didn't really win because I was drunk. You didn't really win because I stood up for you and you're a dishonorable piece of shit and you need me in the face when I got back in. Like, that's the kind of ego protection that's there, right? But, Chris, that was all that happened, right? We just dust our hands, CM Punk wins, and he leaves the arena, right? That's that's what happens? Yeah. Yeah, everybody went home happy, including CM Punk. Uh Uh-huh. No, it turns out. No, in fact, no. (laughs) We have to double down. in one of the most iconic moments in WWE history. So what what was the name of this event that we just watched, Chris? Money in the Bank. Money in the Bank. I believe that when you win a Money in the Bank match, Chris, when you get the Money in the Bank briefcase, you are able to cash in that item at any time for a shot at That's the correct. title, right? Okay, well... That's right. What would happen, Chris, if Vince McMahon stole? Is that Jerry Lawler? If he stole yeah. Jerry Lawler's headset and started screaming into it, get the guy that just won Money in the Bank and make him cash it in right now with this yep. beat to hell CM Punk, right? Uh huh. Punk just wrestled for forty minutes, getting his ass beat for a large majority of it, right? Come yeah. cash this. Was it Johnny Del Rio? Is that his name? Alberto Del Rio. Alberto Del Rio. Alberto Del Rio. Get your ass out here. Cash in your money in the bank. Cash in. Yeah. Right. He's throwing basically a child's tantrum. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So out comes this guy who I assume is a jobber because I've never heard of him. So. Oh, jobber in every sense of the word. (laughs) Fuck ADR. Okay. So he starts trotting out to the arena all triumphant with the, the money in the bank briefcase. And Punk just kicks him square in the head and knocks him out, right? <laughs> yeah, the clean, yep. He w- gets up. He looks like freaking, um, uh, not Edge. I, I keep wanting to say Edge because he kept saying it. He was a member of Evolution. He's a weird snake man. Oh, Randy Orton. He looks <laughs> weird snake man. CM, <laughs> CM Punk rears his head up like Randy Orton. He has the like look of the devil on his face and he's just eyeing vince mcmahon he's like what you gonna do now papa you know what i mean (laughs) so alberto del rio never got to cash in the uh the briefcase and cm punk just takes his money and goes home oh his belt but that that shot of him when he blows vince mcmahon a kiss yeah with the title on the uh on the on the barricade and then runs up the stairs in the arena and then just has all the people around him and he's holding up the title as the show fades out. I, I, again, I have a lot of things against WWE and Vince McMahon. I will never forget that for the rest of my life. Well, that's one of those things, right? It's like I'm saying with Vince, I'm sure he's a real piece of shit. He's a horrible boss, <laughs> a terrible CEO, whatever, but I'll give him props for his on-screen persona, man. Cause like that's, that was a magical moment from start to finish. Yeah. 
that was yeah. truly it, compelling television. Sorry, go ahead. It, I was going to say, I mean, it's when I tell people that CM Punk brought me back to wrestling, it's not because I turned on the TV sometime and I saw like the, the word that they use that they used for him. They being people in WWE was skinny fat, right? Yeah. <laughs> Seeing this skinny fat wrestler that has cool tattoos and looks like he listens to the same music that I do. It was because he spoke for me. And then WWE showed me that I could like wrestling again with this match. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. It was a group effort between all of the things that make wrestling what it is. Right. And that's why I think this is so crucial to kind of introduce you to this era of wrestling, you know, because that is that match, that storyline, that pipe bomb promo, that influences so much of what occurs over the next 10 to 15 years of wrestling that we're currently experiencing right now. I mean, that was 10 years ago, a couple months ago. Right. Mm -hmm. So like in terms of what we watched before, and what we see and like what we see in in the pipe bomb and in this match at Money in the Bank, what was like the biggest thing that stuck out to you as the hook versus what we saw with the outsider Steve Austin and some of the other matches? What was it for you with this? I think it was coming coming from an outsider's perspective. I think that this was the most grounded realism, the most grounded pathos. I'll keep using that word of everything we've seen so far. It was the most adjustable. When we watch uh, Steamboat versus, uh, I keep wanting to call him not, Savage, yeah, Savage uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, I can appreciate that for what it is, right? Like, yeah. It's a good match. There's nothing wrong with it. It has highs and lows. I even said it had the most pathos of that block. I still think that's true. I felt the most things watching that match, but it is a different era. It is larger than life personalities intended to shock and awe doing like it, it's the it's the type of feeling you get like I like the talk you read the death defying stunts blah 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 right like that <laughs> yeah. type of emotion right so it's there's a part of me that not un, not experiencing wrestling very much I can't fully invest myself into it then you go to the attitude era well no matter what we watch Bret Hart uh and Shawn Michaels Shawn Michaels and Steve Austin Steve Austin beating up Jake the Snake any of that there is still this separation of this is above over the top spectacle dick uh cross chopping our dicks uh like all this type of stuff right this is ego men wrestling their egos out on the ego floor sweating it up and you know what i mean trying to to really make a spectacle and it's closer but as uh, me as an adult in 2021 it still has that layer of like Ooh, like funny man dance for me. You know what I mean? That type yeah. of thing. Mm -hmm. Right. CM Punk sits on that ground and he has fucking had it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I could not stop watching. It is the realest emotion of anything we saw. And that made me care about CM Punk winning in a way nothing else had before. 
Yeah, it's um it is a paradigm shift in the industry after this happens. And it really wouldn't be felt fully until years later in my opinion. Probably and right and up until right after he left because it might not shock you to know that they absolutely bottle this fucking storyline after this. Right, I'm sure. Um, This was a a reiteration on a storyline that he did in Ring of Honor where he did the same thing. He left Ring of Honor with the Ring of Honor title, but he went to, for an entire summer, it's known as the Summer of Punk, he went around to different indie federations and defended the ROH title while he was there because he was still the champion, but I'm not contracted with them anymore, so I don't have to defend it there. I'm going to defend it here in PWG or Chikara or wherever right. he was defending it. Right. Mm-hmm. So this happens. And for me, that was always the next evolution of this, like do business with another promotion, let him go back to ROH with the WWE title. Like he said, he was going to in the pipe bomb, but you know, WWE can't be too unlike WWE. So they had him come back three weeks later when they crowned Cena champion again. Yeah. (laughs) And then they had a storyline where they fought to see who was the real champion. And actually, Alberto Del Rio would go in to cash in that money in the bank. And it was a whole other arc. They completely fucking ruined this storyline. But this night, this moment lives in fucking infamy. It is incredible yeah and i'm so glad you liked it oh yeah this was this is the moment for me i if there's more of this to be seen i want to see it there's more of this to be seen and in fact um we would move on yes to see some additional content so after we watched cm punk fight john cena we went and discovered one of the alternatives that i mentioned that i wound up discovering which is ring of honor So tell me what you thought about the Kevin Steen Nakamura match at War of the Worlds. I know that I kind of presented this as like, let's just kind of have some fun and watch this and check out some indie stuff. But what were your thoughts on that? Tell me about it. Chat me up. Uh, I'm interested to see more of that. Like, I don't I don't want to call it low budget. And I definitely don't mean that in like a derogatory way. Right. Like coming from someone. Yeah. Coming from someone that is like transitioning to play almost exclusively indie games in their in their life. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, but. I want to see more of the stuff that isn't like overly produced because there was a tangible quality to it of like, I don't want to, again, the the words I'm coming up with, like, I, I don't want them to sound derogatory, but it's like backyard passion. It's just, what if two dudes yeah. just beat the fuck out of each other in the most entertaining way possible? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Backyard passion's good. Yeah. Like Nakamura is just like fucking flaunting himself constantly yeah and you have steen like grabbing his leg and being like are you okay are you having a seizure (laughs) like like just like stuff that would not work at all in like a larger setting but it's just like it's just cool it just works he just the the anime villain gets up and he's like oh like you're approaching me like that kind of shit right you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah uh fun is the word that i would use for for that style of wrestling right right? Mm -hmm. um and and like i said you know that's largely the point of this kind of stuff and why i wanted to bring it to you is because like i'm coming out of an era where the money in the bank match with punk and cena like i said 
told me, spoke to me and said, rest, there is wrestling out there for you, right? Mm -hmm. You can go and see it. Even if it's few and far between in WWE or chock full of it elsewhere, there is wrestling for you again. You can go find it. And this is such a great example of that, that it's like, there's clearly not a 70 year old man signing off on everything that happens in this match, the way that there is in WWE, there is a noticeable stylistic difference. What were some of the things that you noticed the most about, because we've watched a lot of WWE up until this point. So like, what were some things that stood out to you about this that differed from WWE from the wrestling standpoint? Well, small spoiler. I was a little blown away by our last match. So I forget some of the details, but the things that stood out to me, like technically, <laughs> in the steam match were like first of all so we talked a little bit about this and i'm sure we'll talk more so the strong style stuff basically the like yeah. extra stiffness of the hits right that was immediately apparent like again the rings are mic'd up differently and we'll talk about that a little bit too but like you can hear these dudes full on blasting each other in the sternum <laughs> right like yeah. it's like uh -huh. oh my god like they're they are uh, they're not trying to injure each other, but they're striking each other. Like they're trying to injure each other. You know what I mean? Like, like yep. Steen didn't get in the ring. And it's like, I'm going to ruin Nakamura's career today. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to make Nakamura <laughs> feel it a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, right. So that was one of the things I, I also liked kind of the, I don't know. I don't know what to call this. Like the word I want to say is almost, rodeo clown not that either of the two are rodeo clowns but it's like the idea that the way that your body animates can itself be kind of the comedy like like where yeah. you just like not I don't, again like my com help me with the words here steam doesn't no sell the kick in the the corner in the turnbuckle yeah. but he's just like right he, he just shrugs it off and he stands up and he's like are you okay like why are you shaking <laughs> so much right like it's, yeah it's exactly. just like really simple schoolyard taunting almost right mm -hmm. but then yeah you still have the same like high flying action they're jumping at each other out of the ring uh they're slamming each other into the turnbuckle they're uh, elbowing each other in the face. There's just it's it's kind of like a Steve Austin kind of brutality, but then it works itself into these angles. They're uh, wrestling in, against each other. They're kind of gimmicks, right? Like I think Shinsuke at one point, like he gave Steen like almost like a sweet chin music kind of deal, right? Yeah, like he just sure. need him right, not need him. He kicked him right in the chin, basically, right? Yeah, right. so. It was also cool to see, and we talked about this, different body styles, right? Where, mm -hmm. like, there's nothing wrong with being, like, the big muscle dude. But when, like, we you watch, all, we've watched all this wrestling, and it was, like, Hulk Hogan, Bret Hart, yeah. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin, John right, Cena, Michaels. Eddie Guerrero. Macho. It's, like, uh, everybody is one variation of the same body type, right? Yeah, and for the people that weren't, you're a luchador or obviously like right. a joke gimmick. Yeah. You're not you're not a main event, you know, you're not a main event character to be taken seriously the same way that Steen and Nakamura are both main fucking eventers. Right. So it's it's cool to see these guys that like have the talent and the passion, but weren't like like let's be real. Uh I would want to call him Ed McMahon. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> close enough, right? But <laughs> Uh, yeah, but but let's be real. Vince McMahon has uh, 
he basically has a fetish for male bodybuilders in a way, right? Yeah, like, I mean, the meme is legendary. Yeah, so it's cool to see these guys that have every bit the passion and the talent, like, put up a different kind of act, right? Like, Steen yeah. isn't flexing. He's just slamming you into the ground. And when Steen jumps off the top rope and slams all of his body weight into you, that's a little bit different right like that's that's a (laughs) finishing move in and of itself so yeah like yeah Yeah. it's it was just cool it was there wasn't a whole lot to it there wasn't a lot of meat on the bone it was just like a really competent kind of slobber knocker the crowd exactly the crowd summarized it perfectly they just kept yelling this is awesome right like just yep yeah it was awesome it was just two guys beating the shit out of each other so yeah, and that's that's really like I'm glad that you got that out of it because that's really one of what I wanted to communicate is that you know when you watch a wrestling show and you watch it front to back, right? Not every single match is going to be a banger, right. right? Not every single match is going to have this weeks to months long story baked in that just you know sometimes matches are put together very quickly. Every everything happens differently throughout the scope of a pay per view card or even just a weekly show card, right? And you're going to have a lot of this um, seemingly one-off stuff that comes in, right? Like Steen and Nakamura, it's not the first time that they fought, right? Mm -hmm. So there's that kind of going into it. And then you have the light fare of like, well, it's Ring of Honor versus New Japan, so they want to represent their companies, right? And, uh, you know, Kevin Kelly even went a length to explain it where it's like, you know, uh these two guys are from very proud backgrounds of like you know like he kept mentioning Jacques Rougeau who trained Kevin Steen it's like you know he wants to show this style and exemplify it on a stage against somebody like Shinsuke Nakamura right so you have that kind of stuff going into it but this like you said is just kind of like a little slobber knocker right? right you don't you can you can invest yourself in the story that they're just telling in the ring down to like, well, Steen is the schoolyard bully and Nakamura is just the guy from Japan that's a little bit weird, but he's obviously competent and they're fighting, you know? Right. I, I think so. I think too that it's like, it's just one of those things of the fight itself can be free form and entertaining when there isn't a lot of emotional baggage too, right? Like, yeah. With the so to contrast it, my final thought to contrast it like with some of the fights we saw in the WWE, it was very obvious that they were like safely co- it, it felt kind of corporate in a way, like they were safely coordinating their throws and like whatever. And I don't want to get I don't want people to get hurt, don't get me wrong, but like it was just kind of like stale from moment to moment. And a lot of the indie stuff we've watched so far, it's just been like, oh, my God, stop. Stop hurting each other, please. Right. <laughs> like, I get it. Yeah. And that's a really different yeah. emotion to sit in. It's not like I'm waiting for uh, CM Punk to land his finishing move to put Cena out and take the title because that's the only way that can end. Or I'm waiting for Bret Hart to put Michael. I wanted to say Michael Sarah, please help me. Uh, <laughs> I do want Bret Hart Michael to put Sarah. Michael Sarah in the sharpshooter. But, but each, yeah, like I'm waiting for Bret Hart to break out the sharpshooter because that's the only way the endurance match can end at this point, right? It's just, oh, okay, yeah. they're just beating the living hell out of each other, and I don't know what's coming next. So, yeah, yeah, that's um, you know, wrestling wears many hats, right? And not all of those hats are pretty, but 
a good goddamn number of them fit nice, yeah. <laughs> right? And so, you know, you see a match like Steen and Nakamura on, on War of the Worlds, and it might not be the flashiest, like, trappings around the match, but you're coming into this with two guys that are very competent in their individual crafts that are just going to put on a, a nice little match. You know what I mean? Something that it's got the ebbs and flows and the drama of who's going to win and the spectacle of awesome moves. And, you know, some of the comedy, like you said, of like steam getting up and be like, what are you having a seizure with this? <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Or like I said in the beginning, like, look, you have to shake my hand. You're in America. Yeah, right. You have to shake my hand, yeah. right? So, yeah, I really like that stuff. And it really uh, shows you an example of what we're building to. And like I said, not every match has to be a banger. But speaking of bangers. Oh, my God. This was the best thing you've shown me. You could have this. So I know, I know before we watch this, and I know you said, so spoiler alert, we talked about CM Punk for so long, we had to watch Kazuchika Okada versus Kenny Omega on a different night. Yeah. And so Scott did say that Punk Cena was the best thing that I had shown him up to that point. How are you feeling now? Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> listen, CM Punk and Cena is still a highlight of all the things you've shown me, but CM Punk and Cena, a lot of that weight is carried by the storytelling, right? Yeah. I was way emotionally invested in CM Punk winning that match because I mean, come on, like that, that storyline is made for me. I'm not, I'm not even like the, the wrestling fan he's speaking to. And it's made for me. Yeah, yeah, I don't like dynasties. I don't like authority. I don't like kiss asses. Hell yeah, I hope I hope you beat Cena's ass. You know what I mean? Yep. So the re- not that the wrestling was bad in that match, but good lord, the uh, Okada and Kenny Omega are goaded. They are goaded for all time. <laughs> How do you injure yourselves for an hour and a half like that? Like, oh, bring bring us in. What did we watch? All right. So, like I said before, I really wanted to focus a lot on Punk and Cena here because in terms of the arc, this is the most important wrestling match of my life. Yeah. It brought me back in a bigger way than I had been into it beforehand. But this match... Kazuchika Okada versus Kenny Omega and a no time limit best two out of three falls at Dominion at Osaka Joe Hall in 2018 is without a fucking doubt my favorite match of all time. You don't get better than this for my book. And I don't want to sort of preemptively shit on what's coming because I assure you that It's only going to go up in quality from here. But this is my favorite match ever. This match is the pinnacle of there is wrestling for you. And that's why I wanted to show it to you. Not because I know that you would get into the trappings of New Japan. It's far more anime than North American wrestling is in a whole lot of ways. Um, But because this is really that 
sort of eye-opening experience for me that I really wanted to bring you in on. And so tell me things, chat me up, take me from what you thought when the match started, when they first started making their entrances. Okay, so we started off with a little bit of an intro on the history, right? It was like a, a little re sure, recap yeah. video. And I know who Kenny Omega is. I know who Kenny Omega is because he's everywhere and he likes fighting games. So he shows up in a lot of FGC stuff. In fact, I have heard multiple hours of Kenny Omega commentating fighting games. So I know more about <laughs> yeah. Kenny Omega than probably I knew about anything we ever talked about in wrestling. So yeah. I know I know about the man, but I do not know a lot about his wrestling history and his credentials. So I got a little recap on his and Okada's kind of history and where they were going or where they came from. And when Okada made his entrance, well, first of all, let me start with Kenny. When Kenny made his entrance, because he came out first, it was literally the opening to a fucking anime. It was Kenny <laughs> being controlled by his dark power. And it showed a clip of him like assaulting a young, young Bucks guy, right? And he's standing in a pool of black wings, right? Uh, this yeah. is a, I think this is a literal Final Fantasy reference because this is ha actually something yeah. from Final Fantasy. So he's standing in a pool of black wings and his buddy, what's his name? Koto Ibushi. Uh, Koto Ibushi. Uh, he shows up standing on a pool of white wings. A white feather drops like a tear from heaven and he extends his hand and like brings Kenny back to his senses. He's like, are you ready? <laughs> are you like, are you prepared for what's to come? And I even told, I even called it. Cause it was like the most anime shit of all time. Like, what did it cost you? And Ken Kenny's like <laughs> everything. I even said it in Japanese. Right. So, <laughs> so Kenny has this fucking weeaboo is shit intro. Like I'm sure any functioning member of society would be embarrassed to come out to that. But Kenny, <laughs> Kenny is based and goaded and he does not give a fuck. So he just comes out into the arena and he's like, he is pumped. He is ready to get his shot at Okada in the title one more time. Right. So that was already incredible. Okada, I did not understand why you liked him when he first came out. Cause you were telling me you're going to love this dude. He's Kazuma Kiryu, <laughs> the person in real life. And I was like, I, that's, a, that's a bold statement, right? Because Kazuma uh -huh. Kiryu is something that could go very wrong in real life too, right? Yeah, sure. So right. I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. And I, I asked you, I'm, I can't believe I even ever said this. I was like, so is this the John Cena of <laughs> Japanese wrestling? And you're like, no, dude, he's not John yeah. Cena. Lo and behold, Far from lo it. and behold, he is not. So he comes out. Dressed like Geese fucking Howard, tassels out to the <laughs> out to the nines, covered in jewelry, right? And yeah. he just saunters into the arena. And God, from minute one, they were literally injuring each other. Uh, Kenny slapped Okada so unbelievably hard that I could not believe that these people have functioning bodies, like to doing this so day in and day out. Go ahead. Let let's touch on that real quick, right? Because you mentioned it for where you before where you were like, um, like we were talking about strong style, right? Yeah. And I explained while we were watching that it's it's less of I mean, it is a style, but it's less of a thing where it's like, oh, he's working strong style. And it's more of like the type that you see around New Japan pro wrestling and Japanese pro wrestling a lot. 
where it's it's a little bit more shooty yeah than than some of the some of the north american stuff that you m- might be used to and i've always felt that it has its place right it's not always appropriate but in something like this match where it's i need to beat you versus i cannot let you beat me right i think it goes a long long way to selling the drama and this was certainly the stiffest match that we watched oh, yeah. so take me through your experience with well, that i think also too to lead in like if you're gonna try and sell me on an hour and a half long match that ends in total exhaustion they need to legitimately beat the shit out of each other for an hour and 20 minutes right to have yeah. me believe mm-hmm. that they become so exhausted that they can't even do their moves right anymore right the everything that right. happens in the match before it needs to happen. So we start off with what basically amounts to sumo slaps. Uh, they just ream each other with body blows. Uh, there's a couple of falls. There's a bunch of attempted rainmakers. Is that what it's called? Which yeah, uh, I'm assuming Yakuza, the video game, pays direct homage to because that's a brawler heat action in uh yakuza uh in in the brawler style so i'm assuming they directly are referencing okada there but um so there's a lot of setup right the ring psychology like okay at some point kenny's gonna get haymakered and it's gonna hurt real bad and it's probably gonna result in a pinfall right and okay kenny is gonna try and get him in a one-winged angel and you were telling me like it never fails no one has ever kicked out of it so like that's that's the that's his weapon of choice but he's largely sticking to just smacking okada really hard right yeah yeah i mean you know he's got to lift okada up on his shoulders and okada's not a small man yeah so you got to soften him up first and they they even said that the commentators were talking about it too we listened to jp commentary and luckily i am still pretty good at understanding japanese but they were they (laughs) were talking about that of like he's got to soften up his core and like uh, they kept saying damage damage like they they kept talking about the damage that was accumulating right so <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. The, it was definitely like it was a prolonged effort it was like two men trying to break each other down to where they would be able to get a pinfall this was best two out of three falls right mm-hmm. and the first round i'll call it going up to the first fall was just non-stop aggression they were in and out of the ring they were flying at each other in and out of the ring they were slapping each other they were slamming each other into the ground but most importantly there was this really well-maintained flow this back and forth it was never clear in any given exchange what was actually going to happen oh kenny grabbed okada from behind he's gonna slam him oh okada flipped around in the middle of the hold and grabbed Ken- oh kenny flipped again and now he threw yeah. okada to the ground oh kenny's got okada on the rope and he's gonna the, the turnbuckle and he's gonna lift him up oh okada punched him in the side that he's been hurting on so can he let go oh but it doesn't matter he's gonna just stick his head underneath his legs and pick him up that way right it's like this this constant series of reversals and the reason why that works especially in this scenario is these two were led to believe are like the top of their craft and they're evenly matched. Right. So it makes sense that 
they're in each other's heads so much. This is another like anime trope almost kind of right. If like they're in each other's heads so much that even getting the hit is a back and forth. It's not just, okay, I hit you, then you hit me. It's okay. We're like parrying each other in real time. Like, like yeah. matrix mm-hmm. level parrying to even get that hit. Right. Yeah. Right. So, they're beating on each other you and i are groaning and shouting like once every five seconds right <laughs> yeah. uh the people are getting kicked in the neck kenny re- keeps going back to this move he's used it to counter the rainmaker and just uh in a kind of a off the rope move like during irish whips where he just knees okada directly in the face that's the V trigger. The my V dude. trigger. Well, he V triggered this dude. There, listen, Kenny Omega needs to actually play Street Fighter Five because you don't get that many V triggers in a match. <laughs> all right, you don't get twelve V triggers in a match of Street Fighter. So, um, anyway, like he, they are legit injuring each other. They're getting kicked in the back of the neck. They're getting thrown out of the ring. They're getting slammed directly onto their head, and the damage. Like this is the the benefit of strong style. I this is one of those things where I don't want a wrestler to injure themselves, but you have to balance it with the entertaining nature of something like strong style or working stiff, right? Where it's like, okay, this is our time where I truly believe that you are in pain, that this isn't something you're playing up. Right. Right. Exactly. So, uh, we finally get our first fall after this mutual beating for probably 45 minutes or something like that. How long, how long until the first fall? Do you know? I think it, it's it's like close to a half hour yeah. uh, where in a reversal or a reversal situation, Okada is able to reverse a throw. Kenny attempts to put on him and pin him to the ground and get the first fall. And mm. the mood of the arena shifts like the, the crowd has been really behind Kenny the whole time. But now, like he's directly feeding off their energy because these guys are exhausted and now it's yeah. basically sudden death for him, right? Any yeah, right. moment could be his last. And he keeps going back to the crowd. And he's calling to them for energy. Even it, it doesn't work out all the time either. Like sometimes he gets distracted or he goes for something too risky and gets like reversal and, and pays the price. Right. But Kenny is like a man possessed at this point. He won't give up. He slams a table onto Okada. Uh, there was a really scary moment where I thought he was going to reverse a power bomb Okada onto a table from the mat and from the apron. From, yeah, from the apron. And I was really worried about both of them. But thankfully, that didn't happen. Instead, uh, Okada got was it Okada or Kenny that got his head slammed into the ground? Uh, but both of them several yeah. times. But in th- in this instance, it was Kenny. Yeah, I Kenny, believe you're Kenny got of. his head slammed into the ground. It's it's hard to explain. This is something you would have to watch to understand the level of pain they're inflicting on each other. But it's like non nonstop heat action. Yeah, basically, it's just <laughs> it's just them trying to be as over as possible over and over again. Like they they yeah. want the crowd to go, oh my god, nonstop for an hour and a half. Right. Yeah. Right. Regardless, round two ends with the one winged angel. Kenny finally is able to kind of stun Okada long enough to put him in the one winged angel, pin him. You can't escape. The The move is unbeatable. And Okada. Yeah. Good. Oh, I was going to say, I love this part because, you know, we caught it out. When we were watching it like there's every time there's a fall, there's a two minute break before the next one starts. Yeah. 
but it's not a two minute break. Like, Hey, are you ready? Hey, are you ready? Right? Yeah. It's just because after, after the second fall, he hits him with the one wing and angel and Okada is just dead. It's, <laughs> He's dead. It's very real too. Like you can tell this is the look of a man that is like, Oh my God, there's still more of this, right? I am tired <laughs> yeah. and in pain and I can't, but he's, but he's a God, he's goaded. So he's going to get up and do it. Right. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. I, well, I was going to say it, it's, and then like the two minutes is over after that second fall and Kenny just immediately V triggers yeah. him again <laughs> before he can even get up. He V, he v triggers him. There's multiple times in this where like you kind of are thinking, oh, okay, like, they're in a mutual agreement of like everybody needs. Uh, and then Kenny kicked him in the back of the neck again. Okay. Uh, like Full <laughs> speed from across the arena, kicked him in the back of the neck again. Okay. And we're back in it. But yeah, Kenny just immediately starts it up again. And we have this really emotional ending where like these guys are spent. They have been wrestling for an hour and damn near a half. And they've been, getting slammed into every various position submission holds okada has taken about 50 direct slaps to the chest and several punches and knees to the face like it these guys are in legit pain kenny is heavily favoring one of his sides who knows what in particular injured it other than everything but we we get this dramatic conclusion where like they're so tired they can't even do their own moves properly anymore. Okada has Kenny right where <laughs> yeah. he wants him and tries to do the Rainmaker and just can't can't do it. He can't get the energy out. Can't follow through. They're both yep. kneeling on the ground and kind of just limply slapping each other, right? Because they don't have the energy yep. to stand up anymore. Kenny even uses Red Shoes, the uh, referee, the re to get back <laughs> up off the ground at one point, right? Yeah. So uh -huh. you have this like climactic moment of it's, it's down to the wire. Any big move is going to be it. And they tease you a couple times with some big hits. Some uh, Kenny does. What is this move called? The uh, AJ Styles move. Oh, the Styles Clash. The Styles Clash. Like he does uh, one of the former members of Bullet Club's finishing moves. And Okada has some of these moments. Right? Oh, this is it. This is it. That's how they're going to finish it. Yeah. But lo and behold. Kenny is able to get in one final one winged angel to take it. And Okada, is, I mean, they're both spent at this point, but there's no way Okada one hour and a half into this nightmare is going to get out of a one winged angel. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, it is truly the best piece of wrestling I've ever seen in my life. And that's not to say that, there haven't been things that have been, you know, as good as it in quality or even better than it that I've seen since. But just in terms of what do you want out of a wrestling match? You want a story that hooks you in, something that compels you. All you need to do is compel. Just compel me to care about the fight that's about to happen. And this can happen several different ways, right? It's either through promos, weeks of buildup, through big stakes right you know old cm, yeah, CM Punk Punk. hasn't resigned yeah. what's gonna happen mm -hmm. or you can just have it happen in these insanely knock down drag out theatrical wars yes mm -hmm. where you just cannot help 
but sink your teeth into it because you can't look away. I mean, I said this before we watched it. I, you know, Steve, my friend and I that, you know, I watch pretty much 98% of the wrestling that I watch with. It was the only time that we ever watched a match where neither of us said anything. Yeah. <laughs> Other than like popping for stuff, right? We weren't like, you know, bullshitting or chatting over it or anything. We were just silent and glued to the to the television set. And this is the match that really made me love Kenny Omega, right? Cuz tangential exposure up until this point for me, and I was just like, how can you not fucking love this guy? How can you not love both of these guys. Right. So I mentioned before that CM Punk and John Cena got five out of five stars from Dave Meltzer mm -hmm. back in 2011. You know, and I really think that goes on not to suck Meltzer's dick here, but I think that goes a long way in showing that like when all the pieces are in the right place, you can have a match that's not quite as brutal as something like this and still create something that can that is so compelling oh, yeah. and so good well, from a start to finish standpoint that you get those five stars, right? Well, it's, I think it speaks to the artistry of the people involved too, where like nothing, again, nothing against John Cena. This isn't the, we hate John Cena show, but you're not going to get him to sacrifice his body that way. Right. Yeah, exactly. He's not going to let CM Punk literally pile drive his head into pavement. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so we fast forward to 2018 because it's seven years after yeah. the pipe bomb and money in the bank and everything. And Meltzer gives this match seven out of five stars. <laughs> Why? Why seven? Because he was just like, this is so fucking good. Because he's done it a couple times where he's done like five and a half or six star yeah. matches. Things that are just like, I had expectations as Dave Meltzer and this completely obliterated them. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But he was like, this match is so fucking good. It needs to stand out among everything else for me. Okay. So how did you feel about this match? This is the best thing you've shown me. And it's for many reasons. It's not just the intensity of the violence, because I, I actually think, and, and I mean, you've been watching me watching wrestling. I dislike when they're hurting each other because <laughs> I'm <laughs> yeah. like, okay, like, I, I, like I, I'm, I really don't want to sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I have some combat sport experience. I did some judo, right? And like, okay, yeah. I understand exactly how painful this is, the, what they're doing to each other. And I know that these are two guys that are just doing their job and trying to entertain me. It's it's literally the same emotion I get watching Badlands Chugs. Do you know who Badlands Chugs is, Chris? I do not. He's a professional eater, and more specifically, Chugger. And he has a oh, really no. popular YouTube channel. A really mm -hmm. popular YouTube channel because he's very internet nope. savvy. Hang on. He's very internet savvy. Uh, there, there are a couple of pro eaters that are like really keyed into the idea that people want to watch their content and they're very entertaining. So Badlands will often do chugging challenges. He's a very like obese man. Like he's clearly not living a healthy lifestyle, but like even for him are extremely questionable in 19 different ways, right? Like he yeah. chugs. He, do you remember the DOS boot, Chris? Of course I do. So in one challenge, he drinks three DOS boots full of turkey gravy. <laughs> nah, dude, come on. And it's like Badlands. I love you. I don't want you to die. 
please don't kill yourself to entertain me. Right. And it's, it's yeah. the same emotion with these, these fights of like, Oh my God, please stop kicking him in the neck. Like it's entertaining, but I'm legit worried, man. Like the spine is a sensitive area. Right. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, um, it is, it is, it's this balancing act of like the violence, but also the, it, I keep using this word. Cause I think this is the thing that hooks me with wrestling matches is the pathos of like, it's not just booked that they're going to beat the shit out of each other and like show that they're, they're so committed. They are legit committed. Kenny Omega <laughs> yeah. wants this more than perhaps anything in the, that he has ever wanted. And yeah. He is a letting himself get pasted over and over and keeps getting back up because he cannot give up. Right. Yep. So it, good. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I think what you're touching on there is really the, the unspoken beauty of professional wrestling is that it is as much reality as it is kayfabe. Yeah. Right. Kenny Omega absolutely wants to win this title. It's important for his career. It's important for the business and it's extremely prestigious. I mean, this guy is the first, the first Gaijin to win the G1 climax. He would go on to become IWGP champion at the end of this. This guy wants to collect these accolades for his career for real. I mean, they call him the nickname that he got in new Japan was the best bout machine because he would win the best bout every year all the time, mm-hmm. right? This guy gives a shit about pro wrestling. Kazuchika Okada, the rainmaker. Yeah. The ace. They called him the ace. I think Tanahashi is their ace personally, but they called him the ace. And he was the ace while he carried that belt. It's he wants to retain it. He wants to be talked about in that conversation. Right. Yeah. It's as much reality as it is kayfabe. And this match is no better example. Well, it's it's I want to juxtapose it with uh, Cena and let me know your thoughts on this, because I immediately noticed this about the two of them. And this is why I said I can't believe that I called him the Cena of uh, (laughs) of New Japan. Yeah. Cena maintains his honor and his dignity. Not by putting everything on the line physically like Stone Cold Steve Austin does, right? Like, yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin maintains his dignity in his match with Bret Hart because he never gave up. Yeah, he lost because of some rule or whatever, but that's a man, right? Cena maintains it by getting out of the ring and stopping the interference by by being Mm -hmm. the better man. That's his his like opt out, right? I lost, but right. Yeah, exactly. Okada fucking sacrifices himself right if you're taking this from me it's gonna be under like duress right yes like i will not give this up willingly i will not go gently into the good night right yes and that's Mm -hmm. that's the difference is like what i was so mesmerized in the cm punk match was mostly cm punk and again i'm not trying to talk shit on cena like it's not like he was a wet noodle but he's not throwing himself directly into harm's way like okada is right right correct and that's that is what makes a champion i don't i don't feel bad about okada i want to see more of his stuff right yeah Mm -hmm. that's 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 how i felt coming out of it it's that fighting spirit man yeah right it's it's that 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 aspect of like 
you know, like, like you said, you can, you can set yourself up to be the virtuistic paragon, right? And yeah. people will like you because of that. And that's always going to make you a good guy, right? Like you compared Cena to Superman and that's exactly what he is. I mean, he even like, like, you know, the five moves of doom is a real thing. He's got these five moves. Yeah. Is when he hits them all in a row, you're done for. And it's all stuff like a shoulder block. Yeah. A backdrop, the five knuckle shuffle, and then the attitude adjustment, which is just a glorified fireman's carry. No offense. Then you got Kazuchika Okada, right? Who is like, okay, the rainmaker can't work until I've thrown myself at you at 150 miles per hour. Right. And it's just a very different style of, you know, endearing yourself to an audience. Yeah. And I think that's why it goes so much further is because you like organically, you like to root for those like almost uh, like uh superheroistic personalities right but what makes that superheroistic personality is it the virtuism or is it the unwillingness to be denied yeah you know well, it's it's the unwillingness to be denied but what makes a superhero is that they have adversity to overcome in the first place man that's what yeah. cm punk was saying right right like not mm-hmm. that i don't like you dude but you're a dynasty you just get everything you want you have no adversity you're not the underdog and Okada wasn't the underdog, but God damn, did Kenny had to take that belt from his cold, dead body, almost literally, <laughs> <Yes>. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that the last few matches that we've seen yes, have really set us up to coast into the final chapter, which is solely focused on AEW. Okay. So let me ask mm-hmm. from where we started up until this point, heading into the climax, how are you feeling about pro wrestling? I'm going to break it down for you. Week one, I was kind of still where I was. Like, yeah, wrestling's cool. I'm excited to see where this goes. I learned some cool stuff about NWO and like uh, I I learned a little bit more about like angles and stuff like that. It was cool to see uh, Scott Hall. Scott Hall Mm -hmm. was the guy that would look like a reject from Greece, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So like the the nacho man, like that was funny, right? (laughs) Yeah. But largely I was still in the impression of like, okay, I need to understand this stuff more. Right. Right. Week two. I saw some awesome wrestling. I saw uh, the, uh, the help me here. Uh, what's Mysterio it called? Guerrero. Yeah. Uh, the Iron Man. Luchador. That's it. Oh, that's yeah, a, yeah, that's the word I was surprised. Stuff. I saw the Luchadors. I saw, uh, like you said, Eddie, I saw Eddie Guerrero, but I saw the Iron Man. I saw people pushing themselves to the limit. I was like, okay, this stuff is impressive, but I still hadn't had that marriage of like, the the everything coming together where I w- I wanted someone to win up till that point, it was like looking at a history documentary or something like, oh, fascinating. 
right fascinating i can't <laughs> yeah. i can't believe they wrestled for an hour that's crazy right <laughs> right like other than the fact that i wanted uh sean michaels to lose just because i don't like him that much but like yeah uh he's just a sexy boy after all oh my god i hate that weird stripper gimmick anyway he's not your boy toy i shut up uh, <laughs> <laughs> i uh but this week was the first time i was on the edge of my seat where i was like holy shit I really want CM Punk to win. Holy shit. Kenny and Okada, please stop hurting each other. But also <laughs> this is sick. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, that's, it, that's where I'm at. And that's, I, 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 it's exactly where I want you to be. You said before that, you know, in the match before in the match between Kenny and Okada, that Okada had Kenny right where he wanted him. And he was just so exhausted that he couldn't even hit the Rainmaker and follow through. I was really hoping that this match was not going to put put us in a place where by the time we got to AEW, I was too exhausted to hit the Rainmaker. Yeah. Either. Okay. For me, it sounds like you're ready to see the conclusion. Yes, I am. I, I'm all right. I'm in now. I'm in. So. So we are going to watch just a couple AEW matches, just a couple to prime you for the big show. And then this coming weekend, my dude, we are going to sit down together and watch all out. And that is how we are going to close out the wrestling arc. So for you at home, you can expect us to hear, expect us to hear, expect you can to expect hear from us to hear. Yes, you can expect to hear from us about all out about AEW in about maybe a week or two we'll yeah. see mm -hmm. we'll see maybe, maybe we'll do some arkham next week maybe we'll close out the wrestling arc depends on how crazy all out is if i'm like holy fuck we have to talk about this now then we're we'll we'll hit you with all out next week but otherwise if you want to check out the other chapters of the wrestling shill and uh the anime arc as they've now intersected yes you can do that at the manyfolds.com as well as itunes and spotify you can come say hi on twitter and on instagram at the many folds and we will be very very excited to see the return of cm punk and yes. all out you're gonna get to see his mm -hmm. first match back too which is kind of poetic well it's it's i think it's great because like this is my first this is actually truly my first wrestling pay-per-view because even in the time that i watched it i yeah. i was a young brat and i could not get a pay-per-view of my own volition so yeah. this is my first pay-per-view and i think it's good that there's a through line in it of like hey cm punk is like the first time i cared about a wrestling match i'm really excited to see him come back right and kenny omega is in the main event Ooh, okay yeah i mean kenny's the champ dude yeah he's the champ so we will be looking forward to that as i hope that everybody else is but until then I'm going to V-trigger you the next time I see you. Oh, please. Shuffle me off from this mortal coil. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> see ya. King of the Shield.